Tune in Sundays at noon Eastern Time or 9 a.m. Pacific Time for the Sunday Wire for three hours of action-packed talk radio on 21stCenturyWire.com and AlternateCurrentRadio.com. This guy is amazing, Mike. He just keeps reappearing. He's like, um, I don't know. <laughs> so he's like a case of, uh, I don't know, what sort of physical ailment just keeps reappearing. Well, uh, you know, a couple, um, a number of years ago, Tony decided he was leaving politics and he set up his foundation and he set up various other uh, mechanisms for him to operate through. TB, of course, he TB got a, Associates. Uh, indeed. Not, not to be confused with tuberculosis. Well, I think it can very easily be confused with tuberculosis. But anyway, uh, and he went off and he, of course, he solved the Middle East uh, peace problem. Did he? he, he absolutely. That was what he was going to do. Did, and, well, he, and, he, well, and he did How did it, he course. solve it? What did uh, he, because now Israel's bombing the Palestinians with, with impunity and shooting them with, oh, from sniper rifles without any problem. So, and that, so that's why... He was sent there. Yeah, absolutely. So, so he's he's done a successful job there. He has. But then, populism and Brexit and anti-globalism uh, all started to to manifest themselves. Duty calls, doesn't it? Duty called, and he called all his staff into Tony Blair ass, and uh, he. Uh, Told him, look, guys, I'm getting back into politics. Queen and country, right? Uh, and and he sort of said he was going to come back into politics, and everybody in the country said, no, you're damn well not. Uh, and but he is just there in the sidelines ever since sniping, and he's on he's on the BBC Radio Four Today program. This is the flagship news program on the BBC in the mornings. He's on two or three times a month at the moment. He's he's on Newsnight. Uh, there's video clip from him last week on Newsnight where he, he didn't seem terribly happy about things. But anyway, you know, every opportunity the BBC has him on to, to snipe from the sidelines. Who who does he remind you of that just keeps showing up all the time? Is there somebody, is there like an equivalent in show business or in, uh, in the music industry? It's somebody that just keeps... They, they, they're always rearing their heads to comment on current events, either in the tabloids. Uh, is there any equivalent? Uh, to is be it, honest, I, I don't Jeremy think Clarkson, or I don't know. No, I don't like, think there's anybody else on the planet that I want to. I would want to actually uh, suggest had any similarity to him. This is amazing. So here he is. This is a clip from BBC Newsnight. I thought it was a, a choice clip uh, that uh, one of our listeners uh, sent to me. So go ahead and listen. This is TB, Tony Blair himself. Uh, and he's talking to somebody at Newsnight here. It looks like a nice scene here, Mike, a beautiful room. Tony's looking you know, pretty well-rested, well-fed and watered, clearly, not as stressed as over the last 15 years. He looks uh, like he's got a bit of sun, basically. So he's enjoying his villa in Marrakesh and his other bungalow. I forgot where his other bungalow is. And also in the coast of Albania uh, in off you know, just a few miles from Tirana, he also has, well, he has the use of a villa there. I think that's um, the president of Albania's place. I'm not sure if he's doing a timeshare or not with Eddie Rama. I'm not sure. Don't but anyway, know. that's where Tony's abodes are. If you, if you but, Well, I mean, you say he's, he's looking bronzed and whatnot, but, it, but I have to say his, his eyes looked even more rabid than usual. Really? Listen yeah. to this guy. Where the attempt 
and this is part of the problem that you have in politics today, is creating this thesis of betrayal and grievance around the fact that all politicians are frauds and liars and cheats. This is, where does it end up? It ends up with Donald Trump. That's where it ends up when you give that message to people again and again and again. This is. Uh, hold on for a minute. I have to <laughs> just cut in there. So am I, am I getting this right? Is Tony Blair lecturing the world on uh, why they, politicians are being portrayed as liars and cheats and frauds? But this is the biggest liar, cheat, and fraud that there's ever been in politics. Did he not have? Did he not have anything to do with that, that idea that's in the public, you know, consciousness? I, I think he had quite a lot. Do, do, do you think that. he's not one of the top two or three of the politicians in the last two decades that have cemented the uh, abysmal reputation of the political classes? None other than this man right here, who is now turned about face to lecture us. Saddam Hussein had weapons of mass destruction, Patrick. That's what he said. Yeah. And the world's a better place that Saddam's not here. Indeed. It was worth it. So he's, uh, anyway. I love this new Newsnight guy, Mike. This is Evan Davis. He is just, is, um, he's just there. He's like gray paint on the wall, this guy. He's like the total opposite of Jeremy Paxman. Jeremy Paxman was like, a brash, gaudy, like loud painting or sculpture in your face, constantly interrupting, um, you know, whatever you might say about Paxman. Some people would say that he, you know, handled a lot of important interviews with kitted gloves and didn't go for the jugular. But in comparison to this guy, Mike, mm. Paxman is like the hounds of hell. Seriously, I, I want Jeremy back, actually, because this guy doesn't do anything. He just sits there with the shit, you know, just, uh, you know, he's just kind of there. He's just nodding, interjects now and again. He'll never challenge this. No. Listen to this. What the right wing people want you to believe, because that is the way they get to try and blow the system up in order to take countries in a direction that is wholly contrary to what in a rational world those countries would want. And unfortunately, you've got people on the left who want to do the same thing. And that's why, interestingly, you find people on the left today in this country and elsewhere in Europe, people on the right who both are kind of pretty warm towards Vladimir Putin. How crazy is it for any progressive to end up in that situation? So I tell you, we've got some time. So, so, so. So what does Tony Blair know about what a progressive is? Is he speaking as a progressive? It sounds like it, doesn't you know, it? No, he is. He is speaking as a progressive. He's speaking as a progressive. So how progressive How progressive is it to uh, put up a fake intelligence dossier about a country harboring weapons of mass destruction, mobile anthrax labs and the like, in 2002, 2003, say... Do, do nothing to refute the lie that they were somehow connected with 9-11, as they accused Iraq of doing in the run-up, US and uh, a number of U.S. Uh, leading uh, voices and the intelligence community was uh, hinting at that, right? Doesn't do anything to refute any of that. In other words, let's that juggernaut go full speed right up until March 2003, 
What exactly is progressive about that? Uh, that's absolutely progressive, Patrick, because they've redefined the word. When he says progressive, he means policies which progress our agenda. That's what progressive means, mm-hmm. and that was one of the most progressive uh, policies that you could possibly imagine because mm-hmm. that progressed their agenda. Well, that's interesting. This is thinking to do, but the start of this is precisely the thesis that you just put to me. Oh, yeah, well, you're all lying. You've got your lies. They've got their lies. No, isn't true, isn't right, and politics is going to stay gripped by this populism until we shake ourselves out of this and get back to fashioning an agenda for the future that can reignite optimism and show people that the world has got a way through to the future that is just and fair. Uh, Mike, Mike, so, so what, are you going to reignite optimism, Tony? Seriously? Uh, what, he's, what he is admitting is that uh, the people around him in the political class have lost their optimism for the future. If you go back 10, 15, 20 years, they had this great utopia that they were heading towards. Getting rid of Saddam was part of it. Getting rid of Gaddafi was part of it. Getting rid of Assad was part of it. Mm -hmm. Uh Uh-oh, that didn't work. Mm. So suddenly the brakes have gone on their progressive agenda. Their optimism has gone. So you're saying that, okay, this, this is good, Mike. This is good. So their progressive agenda on the international scale. Yes. It was was responsibility protect. That was the repla- For example, that yes. was the replacement ideology of the Cold War uh, paradigm, which had been pretty much in place for you know from Second World War until 1991, something like this. So they replaced this with a, this internationalized, progressive, uh, softer, kinder, gentler, more surgical approach to world domination. Uh, by the Anglo-American Empire, which was responsibility protect. We need to get rid of the evil dictators. If we can only do that, Mike, if we can just get rid of those evil dictators, the world will be a better place. The world will be, and we'll have optimism. So in, in on one sense, Mike, he's correct, because that that was the sales pitch. That was the, That was what they were pitching, and a lot of people bought that. But, Mike, not that many people bought it. No, not very few people and, bought and it. And here's the deception. Here's the deception. The mainstream media and mainstream polit- polit- politics does not represent and rarely represents the will of the people. I think that's the – so he is wanting to pull back, rewind the clock, rewrite history, reset this failed agenda. This is what Tony Blair is attempting to do here. Well, you look at it from his point of view. 10, 15 years ago, uh, 20 years ago, um, you had a, a global elite who were more or less on the same page with each other. They could look. They were all moving in the same direction. They, they could talk to each other. It was all agreement. We'll do this, this, and this. Uh, suddenly, Putin appears on the scene. Well, he's a problem, but we're still we're still all... Uh, moving in the in the same direction in the West, so Putin we can sort of handle at the moment. Then China starts coming on the scene, uh, and uh, and at, while all that's going on, uh, the majority of people are starting to question this uh, utopia that Tony Blair and his friends are wanting to take us towards. Uh, and suddenly they're losing support at home as well. But then they, they go for the Iraq war and we've got a million people out in the streets of, of London. Well, they, they've still got enough cohesion without, within themselves that they can ignore that. And they did. And they went ahead and they got away with it at that point. But 
these people didn't go away. They maybe weren't out in the streets, but they never went away. Uh, and uh, as time has gone on, people's views have changed of this globalism, this form of globalism that's being presented, and this progressive uh, policies, these progressive policies that they're presenting. So, so he is pretty unhappy. The people that are around them, they now are as fractious. There's no no coherence within the leaderships of, of of these of countries. There's no agreement about what's the best way forward. Everybody's running around in different directions. They're all shouting at each other. They're all hitting each other over the heads with baseball bats. And he's talking about optimism. He's got a way to go before mm-hmm. he finds any optimism amongst his uh, his uh, uh, collaborators of the past, for sure. So to th- this is a this is a charlatan extraordinaire who, who's looking at this fractitious environment which you've just described and sees an opportunity for himself to reinject himself as a person of relevance uh, in the conversation. This is a shameless opportunist who has had his chance has failed miserably has brought disgrace uh to so many uh levels of the institutions like government which he is now decrying that as some sort of right-wing plot to uh so uh distrust in the establishment and so forth that he himself created i think that's i think i think even a cromagnon man a cromagnon man could get the thesis right, okay, that Tony Blair himself has created the very thing he is now bitching and moaning about on the BBC Newsnight, okay? Yeti man gets it. Yeti man gets it. Yeti man doesn't even speak English, okay? Yeti man (laughs) still could get the concept. If I just took a stick and drew it in the dirt... For Yeti man, if I saw him along the banks of the the Danube or wherever in Siberia, I don't know where he is, but I just take a stick and I draw that. So Yeti man, see, that's Tony Blair. There's the guns. There's the weapons. Okay, there's the people going against him. There he is running away, and he's being given a cushy job in uh, Jerusalem, okay, and a villa in Marrakesh, and he's now working for the mafia in albania okay and now he's wanting to return because look it's chaotic over here in the west okay here he comes back again you see that yeti man just nodding his head he totally gets it mike tony doesn't get it unfortunately so what tony tony blair is doing if if you look at his his statement there he is saying that he is saying this great evil has emerged called populism and it, it has emerged in the form of Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin. And we, what we need to do, says Blair, is we need to, we need to get back on track and, and reignite optimism. So, because the reason people weren't coming out to vote for us is because they didn't see any optimism in us. I got a newsflash for you, Tony. Um, uh, Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin have reignited optimism which is why Trump got elected, you dimwit, okay? That's how he got all those uh, Democratic working-class voters and even some of Obama's supporters from 2012, okay? Hello, Tony. That's just common sense, okay? And that was predicted even by some liberal commentators years ago that this was going to happen. The left died because... The causes that the left used to fight for are no longer there because, Tony, you yourself 
did your little bit uh, of neo-Thatcherism to obliterate labor unions and to privatize the hell out of just about anything that could be privatized, okay? You yourself destroyed the very base which actually helped you to get in power uh, in 1997. Am I far off the mark there, Mike? No. Okay. So, so Putin, with a 75% approval rating, okay, w- tell me when any U.S. president or any British prime minister had a 75% of the public backing them. Certainly not in living memory. When has that last happened? Okay. It may never have happened. So do you think they're backing Putin in Russia because they're not optimistic about his performance or what he has done for the country since the uh, neoliberal economic hellhole that was carved up by the Harvard boys and J.P. Morgan and Goldman Sachs and the U.S. government putting Boris Yeltsin into power, fixing that election, by the way? Uh, in the early 90s, do you think the Russian people don't like Putin or do they approve of him pulling Russia out of an economic tar pit? Right. So so he pulled Russia out of an economic tar pit. How did he do that? Uh, he did that by bringing down their debt to GDP ratio, building up their export capabilities, uh, paying off uh, corporate debts, uh, T- taking some of the uh, those corporations under state ownership in order to balance uh, out the inequities and the lack of performance on some of these corporations and stop the hemorrhaging. So he so he he, can, he turned the country around and pursued a development agenda. Is that what absolutely one hundred percent? And in the meantime, reinvested reinvested a lot. Uh, right across the board, so that Russia is now is now the world's number one gas producer. Guess what? Is probably now by Christmas will be the world's number one grain exporter. Do you know what they were ten years ago on the league tables of grain? Ex- Fifteen years ago, they were a net importer of grain. Yeah. Russia just passed Canada. They're 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 probably neck and neck with the United States right now. That so, is massive. Uh, Russia has. Put quite a lot of money into defense over the last 10, 15 years. They have. This year, they've just announced that they're going to start cutting back on that. They and have. They're going to start putting what? that money back into, into development projects exactly. again. Exactly. They're cutting back on defense, and now their agricultural sector is going to pass their defense sector so, in, in GDP terms. What does that mean? When you have an agricultural sector and you're a net exporter, is it, that, that's, the, that's the winning formula for a stable economy. Food self-sufficiency, load. What's their debt to GDP ratio in Russia? Everyone's screaming, "Oh, Putin's ruined the economy. He's stealing all the wealth of Russia and keeping it for himself and putting it into to the defense uh, military industrial complex in Syria." I hear all these stories, right? Mm. Um, so that, that that's the sort of conspiracy uh, propaganda that's going around about Russia. Um, actually, it's the opposite. Okay, so they're cutting back on defense. What's their debt to GDP ratio? What is it? Twelve percent. Twelve percent debt to GDP. What's what's the U.S. debt to GDP ratio? It's around a hundred, hundred and twenty percent. In other words, they have a hundred and twenty percent debt compared to their actual GDP. UK, the government. If we're talking government debt here, 100%. UK government debt is one hundred and sixty percent or so. It's it's off the charts. Yeah. Germany, Germany is is not much better. Okay, 
they're in the sort of 60 or 70 percent. Russia, there's a few countries in the world that have such a low uh, debt-to-GDP ratio. Russia's one of them. Mike, savings rates are up. The average personal savings rates are up. They're raising interest rates. That's going to be even better for people in savings. Of course, they've had to do that because of the uh, to also stabilize the ruble. Okay, they also went off the dollar peg a few years ago, I think, and uh, and they had to do that after sanctions. I think it was in uh, they went off it once. They then they they came back on it, and then they went off it. Um, I think in 2015. And so they have a floating exchange rate. So that means the central bank's not having to bail out and stabilize the currency every month in order to, to, to keep it pegged to the do- – so they saved billions of dollars by one doing of, that, which things. was risky. People said, oh, you don't want a floating exchange rate. Oh, you're going to be exposed to the markets. The, you know, the forces will – of the globalist forces will bankrupt you and you know, the Soros's of the world can drop your currency uh, just with a few hedges. It didn't happen. This is one of the things that has impressed me. Uh, some how they've done that, and and they're still they're in a position where the, the West threatens them. We're going to take you off the uh, international banking system, SWIFT, all this stuff. We're going to cut your access to that. No problem. They say we'll build our own. We're going to cut you off the internet. No problem. We'll build our own. And and they're probably about one of the few countries in the in, on the planet where, when they say they'll do that, they'll do it. Yeah. And who's the number one LNG producer now? Uh, by the end of this year. It's going to be Russia. They they could they've they're right now passing Australia. Qatar is number one. Okay, the Emirate, they're number one. Russia could conceivably, with a new uh, station that's gone online, which I believe China. I'm I'm pretty sure China has helped to finance part of that. So they are getting finance from China. Of course, China wants uh, a guaranteed supply from that terminal. Russia. Number one uh, LNG exporter, uh, it will be Russia. Mm. So I'm seeing number one in all of these categories. Okay, and this is all done under sanctions and the so-called collapse of the oil price market, okay, which has rebounded, which has created a cash windfall for Russia, not just Russia, but other oil-producing countries that were able to uh, keep production up, like Saudi Arabia. Um, Iran has also... Has helped Iran to weather the storm as well. Okay, although Iran is now coming under pressure again uh, with from the United States and wanting to put pressure and impose heavy sanctions on them. Venezuela, their production has been oil production hit because of I mean that was also a planned economic takedown of Venezuela, and there's a lot of evidence uh, to support that. Um, that country has been put under pressure from the outside by a number of uh, uh, actors, mainly the United States. Okay. Uh, so Venezuela has not been able to uh, take, let's say, take advantage fully of the rise in oil prices because their production has been hamstrung. They haven't in the last few years been able to reinvest uh, because they've been in the hole. So who is plugging the hole? Well, uh, Saudi Arabia is plugging the hole. Who's Donald Trump announcing it's going to plug the hole? Saudi Arabia is going to plug the hole. So you see how the OPEC mafia works. Mm. The OPEC mafia, it's like, it's like the Gambinos and the, uh, the, the Corleones, and it's, it's a mafia, okay? So, so if you're one of the mafia families, and if you want to, you've all got an agreement on price, okay? So you're all making the same money, okay, right? So it's, it's a cartel. Yeah. So, how do you, so where can I get an advantage 
as a member of the cartel. Well, if I take out one of the other guys or, you know, blow up all of his trucks, he won't be able to move any goods. So I'm going to take over and take his share of the market. The price stays the same, but I get the volume. Yeah. This is what Saudi Arabia was, is banking on. But the problem is uh, they were banking on just ruining Russia over the last four years. It hasn't happened. So now Russia is having to step – they're stepping up to also fill some of the production gap. Okay. With, so, in agreement with OPEC. In agreement with OPEC. They have no other – because they're not going to hand it to Iran. Iran. They're not going to be allowed to benefit from this uh, bullish uh, supply side of the market. So, so this brings us right back to Tony then because Saudi needs to be modernized. Saudi needs to, to do a better job. Tony's just got a £9 million deal to go and advise Saudi on its modernization program. This is fantastic. So, Gosh, this guy makes me <laughs> sick. He really makes me sick. All right, we're going to take a short break. I need a glass of water. Uh, so anyway, we'll be back in a second. Uh, we're here with Mike Robinson. I'm your host, Patrick Henningsen. This is the Sunday Wire. Boy, are we off to a hot start. We'll be right back after these messages. Stay right there. From Russia with love, I fly to you. Much wiser since my goodbye to you I've traveled the world 